So I know a few, well, not quite nursery rhymes, but they're rhymes. Want to talk about some rhymes? I think I learned these rhymes in the nursery. Did you? I did. Which is good because they're important. How about leaves of three, let it be. Absolutely. Harry Vine, no, no friend, friend of, of mine. mine. Berries white, run in fright. Well, don't actually. That run. only actually works in the fall, guys, so don't get too tied up in that one. Also, the hairy vine is true, but it's not the only growth form of... Poison, poison ivy. Po- There's a reason we don't yeah. sing on the podcast. Cause I we- thought one person singing it badly was plenty, so I held off. But I was having the same thing. Poison well, Ivy. Welcome to the show, the big show, the largest, most popular, and important, influential show that is recorded in our car. As we're traveling, like we are today, on the road to a very big city and a state not that we don't live in. But anyway, we're traveling, and we're talking about an itchy, itchy subject. Now, we're going to actually have a multi-part series on this subject because it is a critical thing for preppers and people who walk around in the woods to do, to know, understand, and be able to instantly identify poison ivy and poison oak. But we're not going to talk about poison oak today. We're just going to stick with Mr. Ivy. So, poison ivy today, and we're going to talk about, mostly today, we're going to talk about uh recognition and what is actually going on with the plant from a scientific point of view. Why does it make you itch? Because why it makes you itch is important to understand in how to make it stop itching when you get some. Cause and if, if you've got some, that is the top thing on your mind, guys. Yes, yeah, how to make it stop itching. And there's a lot of, of misinformation out there. And it took us years of dealing with poison ivy, because even if you're really careful, you'll still run up against it if yeah. you're working out in the woods. The place could be nicknamed ivy. Yes. And uh, so it's pretty important that if you get some on you, how do you get it off as quickly as possible, as cleanly as possible, and stop the irritation? And there are some tricks that we've learned that work very well. And there's a lot of misinformation about it, too. There's a lot of words. So that's going to be more the second part of the series, is, is doing a little myth-busting on it. But the first part, we're just going to talk about what is poison ivy? How do you recognize it? Because it's critically important. We're, even in this time of year, it's out there. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a perennial vine. It doesn't just die off over the winter. And you can get exposed to the oils of it any time of the year. Now, you're much more likely to get off of the leaf... But it's, it's oilier. Yeah, it's oilier. But it's I've residual. seen people have horrible breakouts from burning wood that had poison ivy vine on the wood when they burned it. Right. And there's, then you, there's people who have different levels of allergy to the oil. Some people really don't. It doesn't bother hardly at all. And some people, it's really horrible. So that's more the medical end. And that's where I turn it over to the spice. Now, she is not a doctor. I'm not. She's, she's not a nurse. But she is somebody who has extensive scientific background in dealing with things that relate to the human body. So she can... And I've had plenty of cases of poison ivy. And she's a lot of, lots, lots of poison ivy. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so she's got uh, the scientific and the ugh 
Tiffic. <laughs> experience to tell you about, because she's been an outdoor girl all her life. Now, considering how much of it I have <clears throat> been through in my life, I haven't actually gotten very many cases of it, because I'm very careful with it. Okay, first of all, let's talk about identifying the blighter. And we're going to, in, in the article that will accompany the podcast, we're going to throw a link into it, to the wiki, because the wiki's actually really good. So. Yeah. We're just going to go to the wiki. about poison ivy is a lot of times people will tell you things like, look for leaves that look like mittens. Well, that works some of the time, and it's great when it works, but sometimes poison ivy doesn't have notched leaves. Or they'll tell you how it's a freestanding plant, and sometimes it is, but then it's not sometimes. Or they'll tell you how it's a vine that winds up along trees, and sometimes it is, and sometimes, but sometimes it isn't. Not. Or they'll tell you to watch out for the white berries, which works great in fruiting season, which is the fall. But not the rest of the time. Or the color of the leaves, which is red in the fall, but not the rest of the time. Or really dark green and glossy, which is true in midsummer, but not in early spring. So there are some things you can count on all the time in all the growth forms. And they are clusters of three leaflets. That's where the leaves of three-letted bee comes on. Alternate leaf arrangement. That means when you're looking at the stem, the... Two of the three don't come off directly opposite each other. One will come off, and then a second will come off, and then there's a third right at the end. But there'll still be a three-leaf pattern, but they won't be symmetrical. Yeah. There aren't any thorns on this, and one of the kind of similar-looking vines does have thorns. And each group of three leaflets grows on its own little stem, which connects to the main vine. And that is different from one of the common misidentified versions. Beyond that, there's a whole lot of differences in growth form depending on the soil and stuff and where it is. And you also have vines of it that grow underground so it can pop up in new places. Okay. My caveat is, yes, there are several plants that it's easy to misidentify with poison ivy. But if in doubt... Leave it be anyway. Leave it be anyway. Because if you're not sure, don't, don't mess with it. The first thing about this plant is it is not <clears throat> actually poisonous at all. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know anybody who's tried to eat the thing, so it might be poisonous. But that's not why we care about it. It's got an oil on it called Eurushiol. And this oil is by itself not toxic. There are some people who could uh, rub it on their skin as a to-heal-cracked skin, and they would be fine. Blast them. They do not realize how fortunate they are. Because in the majority of people, the Eurushiol, once it gets on the skin, it binds to one of the proteins commonly found on human skin. And the combination of the oil and your skin protein is a potent allergen. So this is actually an allergy. But it's an extraordinarily common allergy found in even people who don't uh, have allergies to other things. So not everybody's allergic to it. Many people, most people, are allergic to it at some level, and some people are horribly, dangerously allergic to it. Those people really yeah. need to be careful. My mother was one of those people. I'm mildly allergic to it. I mean, it gets me, but it's not that bad. <clears throat> I've had a couple cases in my life. I misidentified a place to put my sleeping bag once. Well. But I only ended up with a, a patch about a half an inch, or I mean a, a couple inches. And uh, it wasn't that bad. But 
the key word, and I think what she said was the binding part. It binds with your skin, and then it becomes very difficult to remove. And it's an oil. And it's an oil. So that means it's going to be around a little while, unless you take significant... It's also an oil that can stick to cutting tools, that can stick to clothing. Right. It can and stick to anything that brushes up. It can stick to pets. So it's a gift that keeps on giving. Yes. So if you've been nowhere in contact with the plant but have used the same pair of pruning shears as somebody who is cutting around poison ivy with it, you might be able to get poison ivy from the pruning shears even a long time after because the stupid oil is annoyingly stable. Yeah, and if you've taken Fido out there with you in the woods and Fido decides to roll in a patch of it, he's covered in the stuff. Then you pet Fido and congratulations, your pet loves you and just gave you a present. Poison ivy, <laughs> poison So, how do you get this stuff off if you've been in it? You wash the clothes with soap. Yes. You Now, see, the soap, or the clothes, don't have that cool protein thing, so it's not going to bind to them. And the soap knocks the oil off. Anything that that washes off other oils gets off this oil. And soap get you know, so, so, you know, oftentimes, now you're going to think I'm nuts, but oftentimes if I'm just wearing a a pair of uh, uh, clothing around the house or whatever... I don't even wash some of my clothing with soap. I just wash it because you just need to get the get the stuff off. I don't wash some of my stuff with soap. Anything I've overworn in the woods, lots of soap. Yeah. You know, I'm, I get find that off. soap tends to uh, it tends to cause your clothes to deteriorate faster. For some things, I don't really need it. So there we are. Uh, if you've been working with tools in places where there might be poison ivy, you can either wash the tools <coughs> off with soap and water and then make sure you dry them quickly so they don't rust. Or you can uh, wipe them down with anything else that'll take off oil, like an alco- uh, alcohol on a rag or a solvent on a rag. Anything that normally takes off oil, you can wipe down the handles and uh, things with to get it off of it. And then if you used a rag, you wash the rag because you got the oils on there too. Imagine the oil as this as this colored dye, and everything you've touched it with gets colored with the dye, and your goal is to wash everything that's got any dye on it. So that's the tools and stuff. Shampoo the dog, sure. Uh, if it's on the skin, shampoo the dog if you think it's been in oil, but do it wearing gloves, and then discard the gloves. Yeah, you can get. All sorts of fancy uh, products for this, and I'll talk more about that in oh, yeah. part they, two. They, man, they make all kinds oh, of yeah, stuff. Oh, yeah, because it makes oh, people God. miserable, and people will pay <clears throat> out the nose to not be miserable. People want to mask the, mask the symptoms. Which can be a good thing, by the way. There's yes. nothing wrong with masking these symptoms. But masking they are the, the symptoms problem. doesn't solve the problem, which is to get the oil off your skin. Yeah, if you get a patch of poison ivy and you just put something on it to stop the itch... I remember one particularly horrible set of circumstances for some of my brothers who got into poison ivy, and then they got it on their hands, and then they had to use the bathroom, and they're little boys, so I'll just leave the story there and not go further into that one, other than to suggest that the oil is on your hands. You don't want to be touching other parts of your body or 
let the oiled part touch other parts of your body before you get that oil washed off. I will never look at your brothers the same way again. (laughs) Well, I didn't tell you which ones, so... I know which one. I don't even have to (laughs) ask which ones. Knowing those people, I know exactly which ones. (laughs) They're all troublemakers, a lot of them. I love them. So, if you think you might have poison ivy on your hands, you want to wash it off. Here's what I found when doing some research on this last year and stuff, before I started working out in the poison ivy. Washing with soap is great, but it's not good enough by itself. Because the oil doesn't want to lift away from the skin proteins it's complexed with. It takes a little friction, too. So what I've got out out the place, I got an old set of nylons, and I dropped a bar of soap into the nylon, tied it off at the top, tied it to my hand-washing station, and when I wash my hands, I've got the soap in the nylons, and I use that to rub over the surface of my skin. If I'm at home, I've got a special bath sponge that I use for nothing but potentially poison IV contamination. And it's a rough, rough, rough sponge. Yeah, not enough to irritate my skin, but just less, just less rough than that. And I soap it up really good, and I make sure to uh, rub on the places I think may have poison IV oil. And wash it off as soon as possible after exposure, so it has less time to complex with the skin and start the immune reaction. And I've had very good success with that, even though I practically swim in poison ivy in some particular spots on the place where I have to work. And all I've got is a jug of water hand washing station called Tippy Tap. I'll I'll tell you about some other time. So my, my hygiene options are rudimentary. And my poison ivy is abundant, and I am sensitive to the stuff, but I have been pretty successful in not breaking out. And once she learned how to treat it, it really has just become a, it's become a much more minor annoyance than it, than it is. Because if you can treat it correctly, and if you can treat it in a way that you know, minimizes everything, it, it really goes away much faster. Yeah. Essentially what you do is you limit it to the points of original contact instead of spreading it all the heck over the place. And you calm down the immune system, which is creating the system symptoms in the first place. It's not really the oil that's causing the problem. It's your immune system that's causing the problem. But so you want to get the oil off. You chill off. out the immune response. And, yeah, you get the oil off so you don't spread it all over the place. And then you uh, treat the immune response. And that is the main key to, to dealing with the poison ivy. Okay, we're going to get a little bit more into the specifics of how exactly it she does it, but just to give an overview of, of a quick treatment for... Because people want to know. First, I take over-the-counter allergy meds. Like? Like uh, diphenhydramine, if I'm ready to go to... When I'm ready to go to bed, I take diphenhydramine. Oh, that which one most slays you, me. Yeah. I mean, I, I look like, it's been a I take guys. one of those things, a couple of those things, whatever, and I look like a, you know those dogs that lay down on their back and their <laughs> legs just go every which way? That's me in yeah, about five minutes. I'm just him. gone. I'm blotto. It, it doesn't affect me nearly as strongly to make me sleepy. But actually, that's a very common reaction. A lot of the nighttime sleep aids you find in the sleep center of your local pharmacy are actually diphenhydramine. Think Benadryl. 
It is Benadryl. I know. Benadryl that's is the trade name. Yeah. People know brand names, not... Mm, okay. Yes. Trust me. Mm-hmm. Take Benadryl or Benadryl of generics because there's no real reason to not buy the generic of that because it's all type and hydramine. Yeah, it's all the same stuff. And it comes off the same so as if, don't if I don't need to be using heavy machinery or being alert, I'll take that. If I do need to be alert, I'll take daytime allergy medications like the loratadines. I would give you the common trade name, except I don't memorize them that way. Uh, it's the common one-a-day allergy pills. Allegra, maybe? Uh, no, it's uh, not Allegra. Uh, Serta something? Uh, I don't remember. Anyway, but it will say loratadine on the label. Yeah. And it's much cheaper in the generic form anyway. Uh, take that, if that, that helps. And then top. Okay, sorry about the rough transition there. Oops, whoa, driving off the road. Uh, <laughs> we, uh, I, stopped the, I stopped the recording so we could look up the thing because it was bugging me. Um, Claritin. Is and the, Alibert. And Alibert are the two names. But it's generic and it's over the counter now where it used to be prescription. But anyway, topical. Go back to topical, please. Topicals like uh, hydrocortisone creams are good for it. Calamines, actually. Useful for uh, poison ivy itch. Yeah, that's a, that's been one that's been around forever. Calamine. Uh, you can also find some topical surface creams that have the antihistamine medications like di- diphenhydramine that just give you a high dose locally right where you rub it in. And I personally haven't used those, but I have every expectation that it work great because it's right mechanism at the right place. I usually use calamine and hydrocortisone. No reason not to use them together because they have different modes of action. And something oral that is an anti-allergy med, like loratadine or diphenhydramine. So that's the basic story. First, you know all of its different growth forms. So you can avoid it in all seasons. Don't think you can burn it and stand downwind of the smoke because that will get some people infected. Don't think that you can handle things that have been in it and be safe because that'll give you transfers. Don't think that it'll break down over time if you just leave it be or that it's not active during the winter because both of those are false too. Um, So be able to recognize it all times, all seasons, and be suspicious of other things that may have been in contact with it basically. Uh, If you suspect you may have gotten it on yourself, then not only wash with soap, but make sure you've got some friction there to help lift it off the skin and then sluice it with plenty of water. The soap doesn't kill the oil, it just removes the oil from its attachment and then you actually got to wash it off so it doesn't reattach. Um, And then uh, after all that's done, you deal with whatever irritation is. Yeah, and if you do have an itch over-the-counter allergy meds to slow the problem from the inside, and then topical anti-itch type stuff to reduce the problem at the rash sites. Sounds good to me. Sounds heck of a lot better than having poison ivy. Right. Now, we'll, we'll have a part two, because there are some really interesting, and, and maybe not uber-critical, uh, but interesting myths that surround poison it, ivy. Is nice to know what doesn't work. 
Right. So and some of them probably do work. So but some of them are just horse hockey. Yeah. Some of them are terrible ideas. So we're going to people say, "Oh, put kerosene on it." Yeah, get the oil off. Yeah, we'll we'll come back to. We don't want to. Yeah. We don't want to assault our own game, so we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna hold off on some of that and uh, do another podcast in the future. It will not be right away, but in the future about poison ivy part two. You can't cure poison ivy with snake oil. <laughs> All right, talk to you later.